this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. So we, as Bill mentioned, are continuing to celebrate Christmas. And as part of that celebration, one thing I love that we do here in the Christian church and in churches all around the world is we celebrate classic scriptures. A good way to reset is to hear stories we're familiar with. The birth of Christ, Mary's song of joy, the angel appearing to Zechariah and Elizabeth to announce the birth of John the Baptist. Hearing these stories is an essential part of our liturgy that surrounds Advent and Christmas. It's our yearly reminder of the importance that these stories play, not just in our faith lives, but in our day-to-day lives. Today's not too different. I want us to focus on one of these stories, one of these classic stories that may not be taught every year during Christmas, but if you've been around long enough, I'm sure you've heard it, Jesus being presented at the temple. It's a story that has a lot of significance, both in the life of Christ and in our own traditions today in the church. Many of our brothers and sisters practice infant baptism, and they'll point to this verse of Jesus' circumcision and presentation at the temple as the beginning of this tradition. Here at First Christian, you have seen that we do baby dedications, a practice that has direct parallels to how a child will be presented in the temple and the affirmations that we'll hear in Scripture. All of these traditions have two things in common. They all seek to introduce a newborn child into the community of faith and to have the community of faith affirm their role in the raising of that child. So let's go ahead and read the scripture and then talk a bit about what makes Mary, Joseph, and Jesus' trip to the temple so unique. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, Every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel." And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There's also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Phanel of the tribe of Asher. She was a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At the moment she came and began to praise God, 
and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. We see Mary and Joseph going through what is considered very typical rituals of their day and age. Mary's purification after birth, the sacrifice of the doves according to the law of Moses, the circumcision of Jesus a couple verses earlier, and the presentation of the firstborn son. See, the temple in Jerusalem operated year-round, but it was busiest during the most important festivals in the Jewish year. But with the country being taken over by Rome, the distrust of the temple and the officials that we see throughout Jesus' ministry, and the general difficulty of life in this society, we have evidence that some Jewish families neglected getting many of these things done in the temple. Just to get to the temple, to get into Jerusalem, people who lived away from it had to travel by boat. And then it took a three-day caravan to get into the holy city. This meant expenses to be paid, finding accommodations for a massive family, and of course, leaving your homes and your farms under or unattended. These realities, plus the fear of the Roman occupation, meant many of these things were done at home, overseen by traveling holy men or family members, or not done at all. But Luke makes it very clear that Mary and Joseph are doing exactly what they're supposed to. They're following the law to a T, even including their sacrificing of two doves instead of a lamb. As you see, there was a provision in the law of Moses that those who are poor may sacrifice a pigeon or a dove. One can assume there was some shame associated with choosing the poor person's option. You had to go into the temple and usually buy one of these animals that was spotless and blameless. However, Mary and Joseph complete their duty as good Torah-following Jewish parents. Which is interesting to me, because we find this section only in the book of Luke. And Luke is our only gospel writer who is not Jewish. He's a Gentile. He was not raised or presented in the temple. He was not grown up in the faith of Moses. But being part of the early church, he knows how important the Jewish roots were to the people who worshipped. And he makes it clear through Mary and Joseph's obedience to the law that liberation of the entire world is possible. Luke is establishing the need and importance of community in the lives of all those who are around Jesus. Jewish philosopher Emmanuel Livens defies obedience like this. Obedience derives from the love of one's neighbor without error, lacking self-indulgence, which in a sense is love that is obeyed. You see, for our gospel writer Luke, obedience to God is something that has a benefit, and that benefit is love. Mary and Joseph, tired parents, a long way from home, marred by scandal, decided to be obedient. And in response to that obedience, they receive affirmations for their child, and the affirmation that, that what they have just went through was worth it. They don't seem to be seeking that out. This seems spontaneous. They seem to be just doing what they believe is right for themselves and their newborn son. This part of their journey is familiar to so many of us in this room. As people of faith, we are always trying to figure out what's best for us and our families, and for those of you who have them, our children. How do we make faith important to them? 
You see, for Mary and Joseph, their obedience was living into these rituals. Now, in the modern church, we don't like the word ritual. It seems spooky. It seems scary. We like the term practice, spiritual practice, not spiritual rituals. But these practices, uh, they allow us to find fulfillment and guidance. They allowed Mary and Joseph to find fulfillment and guidance in the scary time of new parenthood. This practice, going to the temple that day, reminded them that they are not alone. You see, entering into a community, one that's very old, one that has stood the test of time, one that understands the value of you and your family, that had to be refreshing to Mary and Joseph. After so long, after the suspicions and the conflict and the gossip and what I consume is the outright attacks from both sides of the family, can you imagine how refreshing it must have been for Mary and Joseph to have their child picked up and held and celebrated in the temple that day. Their child got to see a glimpse of what life and love will look like for him. Simeon had affirmed what the angel had said, and Anna worshipped God just for the opportunity to be in the same room. You know, something I've been thinking a lot about when we've been reading our Christmas stories, of course the youth went through and we read the traditional Um, stories during Advent and the church has been doing it, but what strikes me is how little choice our characters have in the story. Zachariah is told his wife will have a child and when he back talks just a little bit is silenced for nine months. Elizabeth is told what the name of their child will be. Mary and Joseph have almost the exact same experience minus the silencing and they are forced to go to a census in Bethlehem And of course, Mary had no say of when she would go into labor. I think it's one of the reasons that we love Mary's song so much that Kara preached on a few weeks ago. It's that she's actively choosing to affirm the call of God in her own life. But this scene in the life of Mary and Joseph, it's their first step as a faithful Jewish couple and a faithful Jewish parents to Jesus. They choose to begin this part of their lives. They begin this step by remaining faithful to the law and choosing to surround Jesus with people who affirm his life. Now, of course, they had no idea who would greet them. I'm sure they were familiar with the ceremony, but they didn't know that these things would happen, that people would speak an affirmation into their newborn son's life. But think about it. I think this sounds similar to the stories that we tell of what it feels like when we discover a place to belong. Most commonly, it is used when talking about a church, maybe a small group or a Sunday school class, but we can find belonging in other places as well. Groups of friends from college, college organizations, fraternities, sororities, alumni groups. Many of us have found the joy of summer camps in Christian life. We find this type of belonging in different places. We find it where people find us important and we find them important where we find love and acceptance and affirmation. But what makes things different about our faith communities and the temple in Jesus' day is that word we talked about earlier, obedience. A scary word for some. I don't like being told what to do. I say that every day of my life. A word that thinks of, we think of children, not of full-grown adults who pay taxes and have a mortgage and do what we want. But it's part of our life as people of faith. Let's remember our quote from earlier, obedience is only good if it leads to love. 
And I think Christ would add love of neighbor or love of God or love of self. So Mary and Joseph did not do this ritual for no reason. Just like we don't participate in our rituals, our practices, church attendance, baptism, communion, singing of hymns together, these have reasons. The reason for our rituals and obedience to them is so that we ourselves can experience love and love can be expressed to us from others. All of the aspects of faith that we participate in should help us grow either in the love we receive or the love we can offer to others. For Mary and Joseph, this was the first concrete step they would take to make sure what they had heard about their child would come to pass. They could have taken a step back. It's been a stressful day, a lot of angels, a lot of shepherds. They could have taken a breath, waited to see what happened. I mean, if, the chi- if their son was really the child of God, the son of God, going to the temple didn't really matter. This child's unique. There's something about him. He'll find his way. But they resisted the temptation. They were proactive so that their faith would be important to their son. This really is the first step in Christ's ministry, this story here. Not something he did, but something his parents and community did for him. These are the first of a few concrete steps we see Jesus and his family take. Things they had some choice in to protect and raise Jesus. In Matthew, they flee to Egypt. But when he comes back, he knows the law. He knows the Torah so much that he impresses the people worshiping in the temple when he is but a boy. We may not see these moments. For some reason, they may not be scripture worthy. But for Christ and his family, I'm sure, just like for us, they're important steps. Our concrete steps aren't usually something we write down either. Maybe the first one, like here, but they usually pass into routine. Even though they aren't usually the things that get posted on our social media or that we call and immediately tell friends about, they're important. So as we enter the new year, what are our concrete goals? Where are we going to be finding God and helping those around us find the love of God this year? It could be in our rituals, like the Holy Family found, It could be taking the openness of communion out into our world and breaking down walls we have built. It could be taking the joy of worship and the community you find in fellowship and making our world that feels all too unfriendly and unwelcoming and offering a place of unity and rest and respite. Could you take the spirit of Simeon to someone in need to have an affirming spirit and to find peace in the community and new life that surrounds you despite all your waiting and watching. Reminding someone of their own goodness and God's call in their life while looking back fondly on our own times and experiences. Could it be taking a child in their arms and offering a break for a pair of exhausted parents who are just trying to make it to their church, to their temple, for a break so they can honor their traditions? Maybe you're Anna, And you've been waiting so long, you find joy in the new life and the new things going on around you, even if you can't participate or won't be there when they're finished. And just maybe, you're the child Christ and his family. Maybe you're not exactly sure what is going on around you. Maybe 2022 has left you feeling in a place of chaos or just a whirlwind of events where you feel neither control 
or a good sense of where things are going to go. Like Christ and the Holy Family, you may not be in a place to show the love of God right now. And that's okay. Because sometimes your calling, our calling right now, is to be shown love by the community that we're a part of. To enter in that community and find a place where you allow those who feel called by God to speak truth and love and safety into your life. So that you may one day be able to do the same for others. Speaking of the obedience mentioned earlier and the necessity of our rituals and practices, we have a baptism today, one of our oldest rituals. Harrison Hardy, my wonderful 10-year-old nephew, has decided to be baptized here at First Christian Church. He attends a Lutheran school in Tampa where he has learned a lot about his faith and scripture there and has had numerous trips here. He's participated in worship here at uh, worship. He's been a part of Worship and Wonder when he was younger. He's attended our VBS programming, and he has been a camper at Camp KBY. And he's decided to make his faith public by baptism at this place where he finds home, at First Christian. We remember our own baptisms today. And remember the quote from this morning, obedience is only good when it brings us to understand love better, both the love we give and the love we receive. And that's my favorite thing about our Christian traditions. When we see someone go through the thing that we have done, we are reminded of our own journey. And I believe that Christ was too. That when he encountered lepers and sinners and tax collectors, he remembers hearing the story when he was just eight days old. A child born in controversy to an unwed couple, he was taken to a place and offered blessings and shown mercy. He was not only accepted, but affirmed in that community. So he showed mercy to those who, like himself, would have been denied that mercy by others around him. So we observed the baptism of Harrison this morning. Let us remember those who showed us kindness in care of our lives and our faith. And let us remind ourselves to be that love in action, to be obedient to the call of unity and openness and welcome. Not just today, but for the new year and beyond. Amen.